Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. It is December the 24th. It is Christmas Eve. And on this day in 1923, President Calvin Coolidge touched a button and lighted up uh, for the first time the first national Christmas tree to grace the White House grounds. Not only was the first White House community Christmas tree, it was the first to be decorated with electric lights, a strand of 2,500 red, white, and green bulbs. The balsam fir came from Coolidge's home state of Vermont and stood 48 feet tall. Several musical groups performed at the tree lighting ceremony, including the Epiphany Church Choir and the U.S. Marine Band. Later that evening, President Coolidge and First Lady Grace were treated to carols sung by members of the Washington, D.C.'s First Congregational Church. According to the White House Historical Association, President Benjamin Harrison was the first president to set up an indoor Christmas tree for his family and visitors to enjoy in 1889. It was decorated with ornaments and candles. In 1929, First Lady Lou Henry Hoover oversaw what would become of an annual tradition of decorating the indoor White House tree. Since then, each First Lady's duties have included the trimming of the official White House tree. Coolidge's inauguration of the first outdoor national Christmas tree initiated a tradition that has been repeated with every administration. In 1981, President Ronald Reagan began another custom by authorizing the first official White House ornament, copies of which were made available for purchase. So interesting. By the way, Coolidge such an interesting guy. He took over for Warren Harding when Warren Harding died suddenly in the second term. And Coolidge, I think, did a pretty good job. Uh, up until 1929 when his uh, administration ended. And, of course, that led to the Great Depression. Merry Christmas to you, by the way. Hey, a little shout-out to uh, Rick Shaw, who uh, tuned, he's from Accent Piano. He tuned our piano yesterday. Nice guy, just coming into our lives and uh, did a great job for us and a uh, really nice man. So you can check out Accent Piano. If you, like me, <laughs> needed somebody to tune a piano, I had in mind tuned for 18 years. So it was great to see uh Rick coming in and take care of that job for us. Well, embracing the holiday spirit just days after Congress passed a massive $2.3 trillion spending package, Senator Rand Paul released his annual Festivus report, airing his grievances of uh, government access, excess and spending. You maybe uh, remember Seinfeld and <laughs> the secular holiday created by author Daniel O'Keefe and popularized by the show shows Frank Costanza, who's uh, uh, Costanza's Father, key features of the holiday include a bare minimum aluminum pole demonstrating feats of strength, and of course, the earring of grievances. Anyhow, uh, that's all in this. I think uh, Rand Paul put pretty much pulled this thing together as a way and used Festivus as a way of attracting attention to his report. Uh, this year's federal spending was one for the books. Spending was about fifty percent higher than last year, and payments of interest on public debt remained extremely high at about $387 billion. Can you imagine if, what would it be if uh, interest rates were higher? 
He says if you laid out that many $1 bills end-to-end, it would be enough to wrap around the earth 1,506 times, Paul wrote. Our debt puts at risk the long-term solvency of major programs such as Social Security. Paul's report documented more than $54.7 billion worth of total wasted money. He pointed to specific projects and studies that received federal funding and identifies the total value of grants used to conduct the research. That amount of money, Paul said, was enough to fund the entire Treasury Department for three years, the Department of Housing and Urban Development for six months, or even buy every citizen a 40-inch television. The waste spending varies from failed international missions such as $8.6 billion sent to Afghanistan to boost counter-narcotics efforts, or $23.9 billion spent trying to unsuccessfully to replace the Bradley fighting vehicle. The oddities, including $1.3 million, researchers assets to determine whether people would knowingly eat ground-up bugs, or $2 billion, $2 million, I should say, spent testing whether hot tubs lower stress. <laughs> Unbelievable. The report identified $896,000 spent by the National Institutes of Health to give cigarettes to adolescent kids to test their reactions to various levels of nicotine in the cigarettes. Hmm. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> he really did that with nearly a million dollars. Someone, someone, uh, sometimes one can start out with the best intentions, but at the time one arrives at one of the destinations, they are doing something so obviously wrong that it's clear to everybody. But then the report continued. No matter what the intention was, manifestly, the Brown University researchers are using American taxpayer dollars to give cigarettes to children. It does not matter that the researchers sought out juvenile smokers, enabling the the air addictive and unhealthy behavior. What uh, in debuting his report, uh, President Trump uh, stole his thunder in, th- in Tuesday evening, criticizing the latest spending package. I spent all year writing a festivist waste report, and and he just tweeted it out. Paul uh, tweeted, "Congress has uh, every tool it needs to fight and end government waste." Paul reported and stated, "It's just a matter of finding the willpower to use them." Rest assured, I will keep fighting for fiscal sanity, providing my colleagues in Congress with the opportunity to find their fiscal backbone. Really appreciate it. One thing I hate is waste. I don't like paying taxes, but I really hate seeing Congress waste the money. And this is just a few of the items uh, that, of course, uh, demonstrate this waste, a lot of waste. Of course, the president vetoed a bill that is just unbelievable. It's got packaged. We'll talk about this in, in education, for example. Sending out the stimulus bill forbids spending for school choice, if you can believe that. We'll talk about that later with Pastor uh, Rick Stevens. President Trump left the White House Wednesday afternoon to spend Christmas at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida. The White House Press Corps office released a guidance in the press schedule for Thursday that noted a call time for out-of-town press pool of 7.30 a.m. That triggered New York Times White House reporter Maggie Haberman to lash out at Trump, accusing him of sticking it to the press out of his hatred by sending an early morning start time on Christmas Eve. Does anybody feel sorry for her? I mean, I really appreciate the people that are working on Christmas and Christmas Day and Christmas Eve to support us in some of the things that we need. She's getting a paycheck. She should be so grateful and counting her blessings. Unfortunately, many people are all masked up and don't get a paycheck and waiting for some sort of stimulus relief. I don't feel sorry for it all. And what about the president? He's working all the time. He could certainly show up at 7.30 on Christmas Eve. 
President Donald Trump vetoed the National Defense Authorization Act on Wednesday after passing both houses of Congress with bipartisan support earlier this month. He had previously threatened to veto the bill if it did not include a provision to terminate Section 230. President Trump demanded that any bill passed in, uh, included a repeal of 230, which exempts social media giants such as Facebook and Twitter from legal liability for content posted on their websites while allowing them to moderate the content. Section 230 has been widely criticized by Republicans who argue that it grants tremendous uh, censor power to the tech giants. It certainly does. Section 230, again, <clears throat> the road to a hell is paved with good intentions, and Section 230 demonstrates that. What it allows them to do, of course, is to they, they have no liability for what's posted, and yet they continue to censor the content as they did during the presidential election. Uh, the legislation passed both houses with a supermajority, however, paving the path for Trump's veto to, uh, to be overridden by Congress. We'll see if that happens. The bill, which is over 4,500 pages long and provides $740 billion in funding for national defense programs, has been signed into law in various forms for nearly six decades. The president has declared last week that he would veto the bill, saying they would, he would uh, do so and it would make China very unhappy. He also demanded the bill protect Confederate-inspired monuments and military base names, which he has argued are part of the country's heritage. Uh, it's been suggested that we should rename as many as 10 of our legendary military bases, such as Fort Bragg in North Carolina, Fort Hood in Texas, Fort Benning in Georgia. These monumental and very powerful bases have become part of the great American heritage and a history of winning victory and freedom, Trump tweeted earlier this year. He also expressed frustration with the language in the bill that would make it harder for troops to be brought home from Afghanistan. President Trump has repeatedly called for the U.S., to scale back its military operations in the Middle East. Senator Rand Paul affirmed, as we repeated or talked about earlier, has affirmed that Trump's position on this bill, especially in regard to the provision related to Afghanistan. According to Paul, neoconservative politicians support substantiating war and make sure that it becomes a perpetual war. Paul has further stated that he would push against overriding Trump's veto. Good for Rand Paul. He's a kind of a lone libertarian out there, waving the flag of less government and uh, doesn't get a lot of support, but I certainly support him on this. And uh, well, Hill's bill, will, this bill will probably be overridden uh, in Congress, but irrespective, I think government, the president is sending a clear message uh, to Congress about overspending. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Pastor Rick Stevens. He's uh, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. This segment of the show has been brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Pastor Rick Stevens, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harton, the host of the Bob Harton Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Bee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I'm very proud to have served as uh, board chairman for 15 years. We had a startup, and now it's thriving and building a brand-new home in downtown Naples. I hope you'll find out more by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon from the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of a terrific organization, made a big difference in terms of public education here in Florida. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Bob. Thanks for having me. Not sure I mentioned Florida Citizens Alliance, but that's the name of the organization. Maybe you can tell us about it. We're a grassroots organization made up of people like you and I who care about children and want them to have the very best education. We advocate for choices that put parents in charge of their students' education because parents know best what the kids need, and we think the parents ought to be making the decisions that provide the education for their children. Absolutely terrific organization. It's goflca.com is the website. I hope you'll check it out. Uh, Pastor Rick, I understand there's a new index that has some metrics that illustrate how states are doing in terms of public education. Yes, I just discovered this this week. It's called the Parent Power Index. And, of course, that caught my attention because we really believe in putting the power for education in the hands of parents. And the Parent Power Index measures all of the states, all of the 50 states in the United States. And in a nutshell, it looks for states that put students ahead of systems and puts parents in charge of their kids' education. So parents have the power to make the foundational, fundamental decisions that drive their kids' education. And uh, I'm happy to report that on the Parent Power Index, Florida ranks number two. Wow. And uh, we thought that was remarkably good news. It's, um, it's a little 
it's a little interesting on the one hand that we're doing so much better than so many other states, but we still hear from parents all the time about how the system is just pushing back at them. So it gives us it gives us an idea that in spite of our troubles, we're doing better than a lot of places, but it also reminds us there's still work to be done. Work to be done indeed, but I just I think it underscores the importance of the work that you have done, and I think you and uh, Keith and the others that are involved in the... By the way, I'm a, I'm a founding member of this organization. I'm very proud of it, the Florida uh, Citizens Alliance. Uh, the success that you've had and the influence in Tallahassee with the Commission of Education, with legislators, uh, your mission is to simply help public... You don't have a... You know, you're no like lobbyists. You don't have any kind of uh, hidden agenda. The whole idea is what can we do to help kids do better in school, have better learning. You uh, had some influence on overturning a common core. I think you've just done a lot of things. So, Pastor Rick, I mean, at the year end like this, I think it's a great time for everybody at the Florida Citizens Alliance to just rub success all over themselves. Well, we appreciate your kind words, Bob, and, and we are pleased with the, the ability we've had to influence the decision makers and to move things in the right direction. And and it's always interesting, and, and you brought it up, and, and, and it's sometimes a little awkward for us to be bragging on ourselves, but we see a lot of groups around the state that are always going to the legislature or some government group asking for money for this or money for that. We have never done that. We consistently look for solutions that will help our students because this isn't about us and about pumping up our organization as much as it's about helping the kids and the parents find the best track because we're, we're convinced kids are capable and smart, and we want the parents to have the opportunity to connect those kids with the best education opportunities that are available. Yeah, no question, yet there's a lot of opposition. You'd think with a mission like that, everybody would be supportive, but in fact, that's not the case. In fact, this uh, latest stimulus bill, as I mentioned earlier in the uh, program, uh, has been it hasn't been accepted by the president, but nevertheless, it has money for public education, billions, and unfortunately, it says, but you can't use the money for school choice as <laughs> part of the bill. Yeah, if you can imagine that. Go figure, huh? <laughs> yeah, just unbelievable. And yet, what we found out is that kids thrive when the parents have a choice about where they can send their kids. In fact, even statistically, I found a statistic that suicide rates among students is lower when parents have more choice for their kids' education. There's no question that, that the parents need to be involved in it. Um, we had a, an expert at one of our events a couple of years ago, and he reminded everybody that education is not complicated. You need three things, a skilled teacher, involved parents, and a well-disciplined child. Yeah. And when you have those three things, kids can learn. And that's why we want to put parents so so much in charge of their kids' education because we're, we're convinced they know their kids and they care about their kids and they, they can guide the whole process to benefit their child's education. Absolutely. And, uh, right, and, and by the way, other things that you've accomplished, things like getting a pornography out of uh, kids' education, some of the materials, it's just unbelievable, the stuff that's been uncovered uh, through your research. You also have been very supportive of uh, homeschooling and of uh, among the choices the parents have. And you have a website that supports all of this. It's called Liberty Scholar. What is the name of the website? Yeah, libertyscholar.org. And you're right, it does support parents having choices and options. It helps them understand the scholarship opportunities available in Florida. It gives them support for homeschooling, if that's what they choose. It introduces them to several different models of homeschooling. Homeschooling isn't just as simple as a parent say, I'm saying I'm going to be the teacher. There are many, many resources that help the parents and, and enable them 
to support their child. The parents don't have to become content experts in everything because there are other resources available. They just need to be engaged and, and guide their child to learn and support that learning. And we think it's more possible for more parents than people realize. And that's part of the reason we, we made LibertyScholar.org was so parents who think they might be able to, to work with their child can find out what works for them and find the model that supports their their approach and their children. It really does empower parents, and I think it's a, it's a great resource. Again, LibertyScholar.org is the website. Now, all this costs money, and I must say that, yeah, Pastor Rick, you and... Uh, uh, Keith and uh, the other people involved, you don't take salaries for this, but you're up there on your own dime, driving to Tallahassee, doing the work that you do, building relationships. Uh, I understand you have an event coming up in February that we can support. We do, and we would sure invite everybody to come and join us at the Naples Grand. We're going to have an event we call Celebrating Kids and Country, and we've invited three speakers to come and to talk to us about education. One of them is Alveda King. And she certainly understands education and the needs for minority children and how important it is to give those parents the opportunities, and, and we agree with her. We've also invited former Senator Jim DeMint, who's been an advocate for liberty issues and, and choices of all kinds, and also General Jerry Boykin. And some people may recognize General Boykin. He was in charge of special forces for the United States Army for years, and he has a, a very broad perspective on what's going on world and i heard him speak once in fort myers a few years ago and it was just remarkable what he could talk about that that you never hear in the news and general boykin is is all in on the kinds of freedom and liberty issues all of us care about and so we've invited him to be a part of that event too i know everybody will enjoy meeting these people and the details are on our website you mentioned it uh, goflca.com there's an event banner and we invite people to to buy a ticket today and and if you do and it's this it, deal is expiring soon. I think it ends the next week, December 31st, in fact. And there's a coupon opportunity. If you buy a ticket, there's a coupon for $500 gift certificate. So we encourage people to take a look at that and join us for that dinner. Buy your ticket before that coupon opportunity expires. And we'll have a great time on February 10th at the Naples Grand Beach Resort. I'm going to be there. Linda, my wife, Linda, and I are going to both be there. We look forward to the event. It was a terrific event in, in previous years, and I know it will be again. But the most important thing is providing financial support. All this stuff costs money, and uh, we it, believe me, there's nothing more important than educating the next generation and making sure kids are prepared to and understand liberty, understand our Constitution, understand the, you know, the threats that we have to our way of life. So, uh, Rick, you're doing God's work. I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. GoFLCA.com is the website. GoFLCA.com. Sign up for the February 10th event at the Naples Grand Hotel and also make a contribution. Rick, genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Merry Christmas to you, and thanks for joining us. Hey, Merry Christmas to you, Bob, and thanks so much. Always a pleasure. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to do a little shout-out to Lulabee's Diner and the Green Tree Shopping Center. They do a great job. They support St. Matthew's House in a big way, and they serve great breakfast or lunch. You can find out. Just go to Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to be William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon from the Cato Institute. He's the Director of Health Studies. Michael, thank you so much for... Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Michael. So tell us about the Cato Institute. Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We provide a voice in public policy debates for the traditional American ideas of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Great organization. The website is Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. So, Michael, uh, just occurred to me here, we've got the stimulus bill. We've seen na our national debt just increase astronomically in the last couple of years. And, of course, this COVID-19 problem created a lot of problems. But, I mean, if we continue this debt, just I'm asking the question to myself, what's going to happen to programs like Medicare and Medicaid? What, what are your thoughts on that? So the Medicare program, uh, its trustees have been warning for years, is financially unsound. It is fiscally unstable. In other words, it's spending a lot more money than the program is taking in. And the, uh, uh, the Medicaid program doesn't even have its own dedicated source of funding. Uh, and, and so it also is... Um, is entirely dependent on what we call general revenues. 
And so it matters a lot that the federal government is running these tremendous deficits year after year. Mm. The, uh, uh, there's this rule that, uh, we, in, in Washington, D.C. that we call Stein's Law. It, it, it goes, it's named after President Nixon's economic advisor, Herb Stein, and it goes like this. If something cannot go on forever, eventually it must stop. Mm-hmm. And the way that Congress is borrowing money, uh, the way it has been borrowing money for two decades now, and in addition to the way it's been borrowing money even before the last time it had, it balanced the budget. It's not sustainable. And when uh, eventually that thing that cannot go on forever stops, it's going to pose a real threat to people's access to health care precisely because we've made so many people dependent on government for their health care. And when, when Congress either gets religion and decides it can't keep borrowing money like this, or when people lose faith in, in uh, Congress's ability to pay back its debts, there's going to be a lot of cuts to the Medicare program, a lot of cuts to the Medicaid program. And, and actually, the cuts are probably going to come to the Medicaid program first, the program that's ostensibly for the poor, mm-hmm. and jeopardize access to care for the poor first. And so it's a really dangerous situation that we've put people in, yeah. where so many of them are dependent on uh, government for their health care, uh, not only because of the threat uh, 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 that we've been discussing, but also because these programs are driving the cost of healthcare higher yeah. rather than reducing the cost of care. And so they even make it, never mind what's going to happen in the future when we hit uh, uh, some sort of debt crisis, but the, the, these programs are actually making it harder for people to access care today. You know what, and I, I get the sense that just because we're not talking about it that much, that we're kind of whistling past the graveyard. I think what I see happening is, is the probability that we'll start to see rationing of care uh, as one of the solutions the government will look to before it, quote-unquote, stops. Uh, but the, the other, the alternative that I would prefer is just to see the government get the heck out of the healthcare business. That's right. And if we did get the government out, uh, the government could still subsidize people mm-hmm. uh, and help them afford health care just by the same way the Social Security program does, which is by giving people cash and letting them decide how to spend it, you would still have market forces at work in health care. And as a result, prices for health care would come down dramatically and more people would be able to afford it. That's the biggest obstacle to, to uh, more universal health care in this country is the fact that so many things that the government does to try to make healthcare less expensive are perversely making it more expensive, driving up prices and making it harder for, for everyone to access it, but particularly for the most vulnerable. Yeah, you've you just done a study on on uh, prescription drugs, I think, which is so important. It's kind of a, it's a, a real wake-up call for everybody that, uh, as you pointed out, there's so many drugs right now, prescription drugs that don't need to be prescribed by doctors that are perfectly safe. I think one of them, insulin, is one of the ones that you highlighted. But people have to go to the doctor, they have to get a prescription, get it filled, and and, and again, it, it inflates the cost of prices. Just uh, looking at that task alone, 
that would have a substantial increase or uh, improvement on healthcare costs. Yeah, so almost no drug is perfectly safe. Uh, every drug has some uh, some potential potential harms or sure. side effects. Sure. But the question when it comes to prescription requirements is, does requiring patients to get a prescription from a doctor before they access that drug cause uh, 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 prevent more harm than it causes? Because when you require someone to go to a doctor to get a prescription, you're, you're dramatically increasing the price of that drug. So you're putting it out of reach of some people with that prescription requirement right there. Uh, it can also increase the price of the drug itself. In addition to the cost of having to go to see a doctor, the price of the drug may rise. You're blocking access that way. And uh, the question is, do those, those effects of requiring a prescription, uh, uh, are they outweighed by the benefits of discouraging unsafe use of a drug? And uh, as it turns out, the... Uh, Food and Drug Administration gets that, uh, that, that, that equation, that balancing act, wrong all the time. And they require, the Food and Drug Administration requires prescriptions for drugs that are safe for consumers to use on their own. And as a, and, but because the FDA requires a prescription, it ends up imposing more harm than it prevents because, yes, if you let some women you uh, purchase, if you let women purchase oral contraceptives over the counter, some of them, some women might use those uh, medications, even though they are contraindicated. Uh, but you are imposing much greater harm yeah. on women by uh, by blocking uh, access their access to the drug, your uh, to, to those medications. You are uh, the 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 fact that the FDA requires prescriptions for oral contraceptives is leading to many more uh, un unwanted pregnancies uh, and likely many more abortions uh, yeah. than we would have if those drugs were available over the counter. Well, just, and we just take similar those... stories for other drugs that should be available over the counter, but that the FDA requires prescriptions yeah. for, like... Uh, naloxone, which reverses opioid overdoses and so forth. Yeah, so just taking a step back, I mean, uh, there's risk with everything. Life life is risky. That's just the way it is. I, I uh, had a friend who ended up going to the hospital in an emergency situation because he was taking Listerine so often. There's a small amount of uh, arsenic <laughs> in Listerine. So the point is this. Anything you put in your body will have an effect. So you have to watch what you put in your body, number one. So... Uh, you're right, the FDA is supposed to be watching what we put in our bodies. That's one of the reasons they have all the, the rules that they have. But unfortunately, they've, they've got, we've got uh, uh, preservatives uh, <laughs> approved by the FDA. You know, I sometimes question the role that they're playing in our society and the costs that they're creating. Anyhow, Michael, you are in charge of a very important area of our lives in healthcare, And I just encourage our listeners to go to your website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you as well, Michael. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with William Aitman. He is also with the Cato Institute as a research fellow. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show 
here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Why? By calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, I want to do just a little shout-out to our advertisers. Without their support, there are costs involved in this and things. So, again, I'm just very grateful that some of the advertisers we have have been with us for years. Johnson's Air Conditioning, uh, the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, Blue Provence, just to name a couple. So I hope you'll patronize them. And, again, I thank them so much for uh, their support over the years. We have with us uh, William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We just had Michael cannon on from the Cato Institute, so we know what the Cato Institute is all about. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure indeed. Well, we have a dynamic situation right now about the, the appropriations bill, the stimulus package to support people because of COVID-19. Uh, the spending is just out of sight. Ridiculous. Maybe you could just give us your thoughts about this entire issue. Well, indeed. Um, we spoke about this last Friday, and it's a, this is sort of a joint bill. On the one hand, it, it's COVID-specific. It's, it's got these uh, measures that your listeners are probably already acquainted with. This is a $900 billion bill. Um, it's got the, the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, it's got direct payments, and it's got a continuation of unemployment benefits. Um, in order to, it's a trick here in Washington, D.C., in Congress, whenever they've got legislation that they want to, you know, must pass, um, they attach it to a spending bill, to mm. an appropriations bill. And, and as such, it's not just a targeted $900 billion on COVID, it's also attached to a $1.4 trillion spending bill. And, and that 
is is what you speak of when you say that the spending is absolutely out of control. I mean, setting aside the fact is, with respect to COVID, we are in this national lockdown, and there is sort of a case that could be made for, for providing people relief now. Um, but with respect to the spending bill, it's business as usual. and It's just crammed full of things that uh, seemingly make no sense, especially in our, in our present crisis. Um, so including in the $1.4 trillion is uh, uh, the, what NRDC, the Natural Resources Defense Council, calls the, perhaps the most significant climate legislation ever passed. Mm. Um, that new one in there. Um, in addition to $25 billion for green energy and subsidies, bailouts for transit systems across the country, $101 million to prevent poaching, um, and $10 million for various gender programs. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of all the log rolling that went into the bill. Um, I'll note this as well. It's a sort of a procedural abomination. Uh, your listeners no doubt are aware of that famous commercial, How a, a Bill Becomes a Law. Um, this bill w- was very much apart from that. Uh, normally, there's a lot of deliberation, and, and, and congressional committees are, are weighing in on this legislation as I deliberate on it. Here, the negotiations were conducted virtually in secret by a handful of congressional leaders mm-hmm. and then imposed on, on the Congress 535-odd lawmakers as a sort of a take-it-or-leave-it deal. So it, it, it's... It, it, it's the piteous that this is the way our, our Congress now works. I mean, mm-hmm. we couldn't get this targeted. Um, you know, these are two important measures, spending, funding the government and uh, the, some sort of COVID relief package. They couldn't have done these independently. You know, it, it does strike me that that makes sense, given that they have independent purposes. Um, and they stuffed one of them, this appropriations bill, just full of pork. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, they passed it on Monday, and it's uh, President Trump has, in a video yesterday, announced his displeasure with the bill. Mm-hmm. He said it, it's not targeted at the pandemic on the one hand, and then, as, as I was kind of laying out in, in, over the previous five minutes, it's full of all this pork that has nothing to do with our government um, or funding the government. So there is, it, we're in a period of flux right now. Um, uh, we're not sure what Cong- how Congress is going to proceed. It doesn't help that we're one day away from Christmas. Um, I'll note this regarding sort of deadlines. The, the president has till uh, uh, January 3rd or after to veto the bill, were he to decide to do so. Yeah. Um, but because the COVID measure was attached to a spending package, there's an earlier deadline. Um, that's this coming Monday when the government will shut down if the bill is not signed into law. So th- there's a great deal of uncertainty as to what Congress and the president are going to do in the immediate future. Yeah, so, so just taking a step back here, uh, William, and I, re- I really appreciate your comments on this. Uh, we uh, elect our elected officials uh, to a deliberative body, the legislature, uh, House of Representatives and the Senate. And what we want them to do is to uh, have civil discourse on issues facing the nation and come up with good solutions. Instead, you know, it just reminds me of the uh, comment of never let a good crisis go to waste. Here we are in a crisis mode. We're spending... The government's going to shut down, and we have people who are needing support because of COVID-19, and we're coming up with all this pork. For example, Nancy Pelosi's on the board of the, uh, and I forgot what the name of the institution is in downtown Washington, D.C., uh, Watergate. Uh, and uh, <laughs> what I think there's $50,000 in, in this bill to su- support her. 
Why doesn't she reach in her pockets and make the contribution? <laughs> so my my point is this: all this port uh, programs for uh, sexual education in Pakistan, uh, uh, the programs about the uh, succession of the Dalai Lama, all kinds of stuff. Why don't Why don't we just do something? What the What we need right now, which is to do support people who have been uh, violated and hurt because of COVID nineteen. I could not agree more, and that was well said. Um, this is uh, 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 an all-too-common glimpse of the dysfunction on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of addressing the nation's problems through these time-tested deliberative processes that incorporate all sorts of public viewpoints, we saw our lawmakers, and in particular congressional leadership, use this bill um, as a vehicle, as a procedural, as a vehicle for procedural shenanigans, in order to pack it full of pet projects and yeah. pork, yeah. Um, and it's just a, uh, you know, that's pretty sad because there are people hurting across this country, and I do, you know, uh, I set aside the, um, you know, I'm a libertarian, so normally I'm just skeptical of, of, of big government. In this particular case, if government is telling people they have to stay inside and can't do their jobs, then it presents this sort of dilemma. But, but apart from that hard sort of thinking and hard sort of reasoning that should go into these sorts of bills, that's just not what we saw. We, we, it was just, a, again, a vehicle that they had loaded up with handouts for um, the, the various constituencies to help them get into office. Yeah. Um, it, it's a sad state of affairs. It is indeed. And now, just a reminder, listeners, that they were given a 5,500-page bill. They had two hours to think it over, to read it, to make a decision about it, and then vote on it two hours later. It's just, it just reminds me of what happened with Obamacare, quite, <laughs> quite frankly, when Nancy Pelosi is saying, we, uh, we have to pass it so we can read it. I think that was her comment. So things it's are verbatim, <laughs> and I'll just note on that, it's been par for the courts and Congress for about two decades now that all the major decisions, all the, the legal haggling um, or legislative haggling is done by a handful of people, and then these massive bills are imposed upon the people's representatives, and they, they take it or leave it. And it's just, uh, that's not how things should work. Not at all. Again, William Yaten with the Cato Institute, just a terrific organization. I have guests on from Cato all the time. It's because I really believe in their mission. I just encourage you to visit the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. William, I so much appreciate your coming on the show. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you so much for having me, Bob, and Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC 
goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. I proudly serve on the board, and I hope you'll just check out the website, thefga.org. We have with us Mayor Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, thank you, as always. Uh for inviting me to be with you on Thursday mornings and uh, almost Christmas. It's almost Christmas, and Merry Christmas to you and your family, Bill. By the way, I want to apologize to our listeners because while I was greeting you on the phone, I had my microphone potted up, so <laughs> they heard they heard everything we said. Fortunately, it was all it was all good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So anyhow, so uh, any good scoop? Well, um, I think we're. Uh, I think we're ready for the holiday. I'm glad to see the vaccine is out. Yeah. Um, I will give you uh, tell you about. You know, I know where you stood on the on the mask issue, and and um, which is f- absolutely fine. I mean, I don't have problem with anybody, but I will tell you that that um, you know the city of Naples, uh, uh, they, you know, the fire chief and everybody, they wanted you to wear masks and. Um, so there was a big, there was kind of a campaign, and and the mayor um, joined up with Naples Community Hospital. Um, you know, heroes wear masks, et cetera. And yet, when it came time for a vote for a mask mandate uh, last, uh, they had a special meeting last Monday. How do you think she voted? I think she probably voted against it. <laughs> yes, so I think I think that's what's called. Talking out of both sides of your mouth would that be a good uh, yeah that, would that be a good explanation? You know, but if you pair, I've come to the conclusion no matter no matter what health organization NCH uh, the CDC whatever it is, the, basically the decision is safety first. Quit your job, go stay inside, <laughs> wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just all gloom and doom, quite frankly. So uh, as I Bill, I think life is risky. You get out of bed, life is risky. That's just the way it is, and uh, that's that's part of the beauty of it. Is, is the challenge of uh, as uh, what was his name? Scott Peck said in the uh, Road Less Traveled. The first sentence in the book is, uh, "Life is difficult." It, yeah, it just is. Well, that's that's the way it is. But uh, here we are, almost in 2021, and I can tell you, a lot of people, including myself that uh that can't wait for the new year and uh um, yeah. hope it's a hope it's a much much better one than this one was because boy this has been a hell of a year it has it's it, you know it really has been a hell of a year and uh in spite of that i mean i for one am just counting my blessings uh, we, you know linda and i have good health have good friends like you and others you know we just so many Me. things to be grateful <laughs> yeah <laughs> i consider you my friend well you are <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and and you're 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 right. We have a lot to be thankful for. Sometimes we complain about some things, and then 
I kind of look at myself and I say, seriously, I'm, I'm really doing this. Yeah. Uh, there are so many uh, other things that are so much worse. And I'm complaining about being stuck in traffic or something. You right, know, I right. mean, uh, so when you when you in retrospect, if you look back a little bit, uh, 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 you, you you can appreciate the fact that uh, we're a lot better off than a lot of other people in this in this country and around the world. So. I use that as a guide. Absolutely. So so well said. In fact, you know, this is a time of, for me, it's a time for uh, retrospection. It's a time of thinking about the past and preparing for the new year. I'm just reading a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport, I think his name is. Just finishing the book off. It's so impactful, and I'm enjoying the book so much. And, uh, you know, we have the tyranny of the urgent right now in our lives. Everybody's checking email. This the immediate things happening on. And so you happening. And so you're taking care of all the stuff that's going on in your life instead of really thinking deeply about the, the issues in your life. This really had an impact on me. I just thought I'd want to share that with our listeners and share it with you, Bill. Yeah, there are things in, in our life that have, you know, that have absolute definite impact. So are you guys just... Um you you're you're staying put any any company or anything? No company for us. I mean, we're making some. We'll have virtual Christmas with loved ones. We'll be making phone calls and so forth. But uh, we're going to be going out to dinner tonight, enjoying that, right. and then uh, spending right. a quiet day at Christmas uh, tomorrow. How about, nice. How about you? Yeah, we're 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 kind of laying low. We we've, we're going to go over to my sister in law's tonight uh, with a little bit of family, and uh, uh, she said to me, "Will you make me a prime rib?" And I said, "Yeah, but." I'll tell you what, I'm going to make it at the house here, and I'm going to slice it down, and I'm going to bring it over there already because, um, you know, I don't know um, how many they'll be and how long we'll stay, but it'd be nice to see. It's all family anyway, Yeah. and um, and she lives right here in Naples, so it'll be nice. And then tomorrow, um, we're just kind of hanging out, which is the way it should be. I mean, Thanksgiving was just Chris and I. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's <laughs> so, that's the impact of uh, the the plandemic i call it <laughs> you know, yeah and the unfortunate yeah, things true. that are going on with us but it just uh reminds us it's a great time of year and, and many people are it's surprising me how how many people are getting on airplanes or traveling or oh having social gatherings it's unbelievable yeah and i mean especially after all the all the, the warnings about traveling because um i tell you what i don't think i would uh, no, but anyway, I don't have anywhere to go, so I don't have to worry <laughs> about that. <laughs> you know, well, so, but yeah. um, it, it's um, as I say, looking forward to to uh, the new year is is definitely something to do. And uh, I hope I'm on your show every Thursday in 2021. Well, that's my plan. I tell you, Bill, I just appreciate your commentary so much. And again, for our listeners' benefit, Bill, you did just such a terrific job as a public servant over the years, 25 years, as either a city council member or as our mayor of Naples. And, uh, uh, you know, and it's just comes, you're just a very positive positive guy and with a, a bright outlook on life. And I think that translated into everything that you did as, our, as one of our civic leaders. Well, so I appreciate you so much. Th thank you. And ditto. But I'll tell you what, Bob, if that ever changes, uh, boot me off the show, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bill. So Merry Christmas to you and your family, Bill. Thank you so much for joining us. You as well, Bob. Take care. You as Bye. well. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. No show tomorrow. We're going to celebrate Christmas, uh, you know, the rebirth of uh, of our life, of uh, our Jesus, our Savior. And uh, it's just going to be a great day. I'm just looking forward to it. So uh, no show 
tomorrow. On Monday, uh, we'll continue the tradition of having Mark Shulman on the show. Mark is the uh, uh, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Really bright guy. He's in Tel Aviv right now and has been for the last several months. Um, Mark is a, is a globalist, much more liberal than I, so there's always a little tension in our discussions. But we'll be talking about current global affairs. We'll also uh, visit with Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and we'll visit with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of several books. His latest two are Father the Leader and the sequel, Shake the Money Tree. By the way, uh, both located in Washington, D.C., the murder mysteries are just terrific reads uh, by Jim McTagg. I hope you make it a great day. I hope you make it a great Christmas. I hope you make it a great weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com. Dot com.